Here's my question for you today. Have you ever heard news that this just changed everything? I mean, just have you heard any news? Somebody shared some new information with you, or they shared some news with you, and it just changed everything, right? Dramatic news. Maybe it was something simple like uh, the, the guy, he asks the girl, she says, yes, right? That changed everything. Or maybe some of you ladies remember when they said, you're going to have a baby, right? Maybe it wasn't a person that said it to you, it wasn't a doctor. Maybe it was just the test and it was a plus instead of a minus, right? Isn't that how it works? And he's, oh, that's news. It changes your, you know, you start seeing things differently, don't you? You start seeing the world differently. Maybe it's bad news. Maybe you've had some difficult news, Right? Uh, somebody, you know, maybe you were married and there was a time when a spouse said or said, I just don't know if we're going to make it. Right? I mean, drastic news, let me just put it this way. Drastic news can change things drastically. Can it not? The more drastic the news, the more drastic the change might be. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, no change sometimes, and I've had this happen. Maybe it's a, a little thing where you tell your kids, hey, it's time to eat. That's the news, right? It's time to eat. They don't get up. You ever had that happen before? It's t- now, sometimes you don't have that problem because they want to eat really bad. They're just waiting for it, right? But everyone says, it's time to eat. But if they're really involved in something, it's time to eat. Nothing happens. It's time to eat. It's nothing happens, right? At some point, you say... Are you listening to me? Are you really listening to what's being said? Imagine, let me change it a little bit more. Imagine you have a house and it's going into foreclosure. Right? You get the news. It's, it's going, you kind of suspected it, but it's for sure. You're going into foreclosure. Let's say immediately following that news, this bad news, you get some good news. Uncle Billy Bob just passed away. That's not the good news. You didn't really know him. But hey, he was a billionaire. And he's left you in his inheritance. Man, I didn't even know the guy. How did this happen? It must have been a fluke. Woo! Right? My house is going into foreclosure. And then I get a million dollar inheritance in the same day. I mean, that's some drastic news. Would that not elicit some change in your behavior? I mean, you'd be going to find out, I've got to get this, you know, I've got till tomorrow, this thing is good, I've got to stop the proceedings or something, right? I mean, just because I have this, and maybe I can buy a bigger, I don't want to go into foreclosure, you know, I, don't want, I still don't want that, I love this house, and et cetera, et cetera. Imagine if you were in the World Trade Center. It's September, right? 11th, 2001. You knew something was going on outside, you'd heard the rumbles and the shakes and everything, but you were in one of the lower levels. Your boss says, everybody just stay where they're at. I'm going to go find out what's happening. I'll be back. He comes back. We were hit. By what? Airplane. Ran to it. You wouldn't believe it. And did you hear that big rumble just a minute ago? Yeah, that was the first, the other tower. It just went down. Right? Now, we've been hit too. I, I can only imagine that we're, it's going to happen here too. Would that not elicit some dramatic change in your behavior something needs to happen if you just sat there 
your boss might say, are you listening to me? And you might go, yes, we've been hit, building, you know, okay, get back to work. Your boss would go, grab you by the, are you really listening to me? Did you hear what I said? You know, and then, and then if you didn't do anything, okay, well, you know, I'm getting out of here. Uh, there's a dramatic change from dramatic news. And it just kind of follows that those kind of things are going to happen. As some of you know, the word gospel means what? Good news. Good news. And there's some bad news attached with that good news. Part of the gospel message is that bad news side of things. Humanity, we're sinners. Right? We've all broken God's law. I love the way Ray Comfort, have you ever heard of Ray Comfort? He, he goes about that in a, in, a, in a great way. He'll say, he'll, he talks to people on the street and he'll say, are you a pretty good person? Yes. And, and he'll say, uh, do you know any of the Ten Commandments? Uh, yeah, I think so. And, and then, you know, that's God's law. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And he'll go, um, have you heard the one, thou shalt not lie? Yeah. Have you ever lied? Yeah. What do you call a person who lies? A liar. And you see the people's reaction. Right? Have you ever stolen anything? No, no, no. I mean, even something small, something tiny. Stolen some of this, stolen some of that. Well, what do you call a person who steals? A thief. Right? And he'll go through several of these different things. Or he'll say, what about this one? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain in an empty way. To, to use God's name just without meaning, without purpose, as, a, as many people do, as an as a exclamation. Right? is taking God's name in vain. That's called blasphemy. So, what do you call someone who blasphemes? Blasphemer. And this is, we're break, we, we have all, in some way, shape, or form, broken God's law. That's part of the bad news, but God is the just judge of the universe, though He demands justice, has provided some good news along the way, hasn't He? In the form of Jesus Christ. I and mean, this is what the gospel message is about. It's drastic news. There's, there's a bad news attached to it, but there's also this good news, but it's drastic, it's dramatic. It should have some kind of drastic or dramatic effect. But now, we're in Ephesians chapter 1, and I want to tell you why I'm bringing these things up. Uh, I know that so far in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, it's all one big long sentence in the original that Paul is praising God for. I've done a little bit of a review each week, and this sentence has... has contain some of the most important doctrines or the most important teachings of Christianity. Things like redemption and adoption and forgiveness and all these big things. But the thing that he's hitting on today, and we're in verse 9. Verse 9 says, making known to us the mystery of his will. And there's a little bit more to that, but let me pause on that one for a second. Making known to us, revealing to us, you might say, the mystery of his will. One of the key elements of this news is that it is, let me switch ahead here, this news is revealed. The news that we have, this gospel message, is a message that's been revealed to us. God has revealed it to us. Now, I don't want to skim over this point. I mean, one of the foundational ideas of Christians is that we believe, right? We're not here because we think we've, we're smarter than everybody else, or we figured something else that nobody else has figured out. We're, we're here because we believe something about God. We believe that God has told us something. Right? In His Word. He's revealed something to us. I mean, the very foundation of being a church and Christianity is all based on the fact that we believe in something known as revelation. 
that God has revealed things about himself and what he's doing. And so we believe this. And this is just one of the key cornerstones of, of what this is about. We're not here because we're smarter, or we figured things out, or we've studied more. We're here because we believe that God has revealed something to us, right? And this news has changed how we view the world. I mean, imagine the guy back in the foreclosure situation. When he gets this good news, he jumps into action. I mean, that changed the way he was going to respond. Same thing with us. As Christians, we say... Okay, we know that we're sinners. We understand this truth has been revealed to us. And we believe that Jesus is the way of escape that God has provided. And we believe that the way to be a part of that is to repent of our sins and to put our faith in Jesus Christ, to trust in Him as God's way. And we've done that. And it's begun to change us. So we do weird things like come together on Sunday and sit down and listen to a guy talk to them. Right? It's kind of weird if you think about it. But why are we doing that? Because we believe that God has revealed things about how He wants His people to behave and to live and to act. Right? It's changed our behavior, just like it might change anybody who hears drastic news. Notice as well, it goes on to say, he says, God has made known to us, or He's revealed to us, He says, the mystery of His will. Now, the word mystery, when you hear the word mystery, you think of, I think of like a, a crime, Right? You watch a mystery show, it's a mystery, trying to figure it out all through the whole thing. When the Greeks would use this word mystery, they were using it in reference to something that used to be a secret, but now it's not. It's no longer a secret. right? That's not too much different than us. you know. We, we might say that used to be a mysterious thing, but now it's clear. right? Someone who doesn't know anything about Christianity, they might walk into a, a church and when we're doing communion, they're going, why are they doing this? This doesn't make any sense. But, but for us, we know what it means, don't we? The, the mystery has been pulled away. It's no longer mysterious to us. And this is what Paul's talking about. He says, God has revealed to us, He's made known to us the mystery of His will. Now, I was trying to think of a way to put this second point. Okay? This news, this good news, the gospel message that we've been talking about, it's been revealed. Right? It's been revealed to God. has shown it to us. We don't, we don't think it's because we're smarter or wiser. It's been revealed to us. God has intervened in humanity and made known to us the mystery. Right? But the fact that this is the mystery of His will. I, I just chewed on this one for a long time. I thought, how can I describe this? And for lack of a better way to do this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to emphasize the word the. This is the news. I mean, there's all kinds of news you might hear in your life. There's all kinds of information you might hear in your life. And, and, and I don't know if this is a good way to emphasize it, but have you heard somebody say that and they emphasize the word the? I mean, this is the thing. The news of all news that you could ever hear is this news. This is the secret to everything, right? This is the secret thing that's been going on since the creation of the world. This is the news. And notice he says, according to his purpose, I'll come back to that, but he said, which he set forth in Christ. This revelation that God has done has been set forth. And that word set forth, some versions say purposed in Christ. It means exposed to the world in Jesus Christ. What this means is this. The thing that God is doing. Who in here believes there is one God? Right? The thing that God is doing, right? The thing, the Bible says, has been shown to us, has been revealed to us in this person, Jesus. He's the summary of all things. Right? Now, 
This has been hinted at all along the way. We think about Adam and Eve back in the garden. They sinned. Immediately you see some glimpses of Jesus coming out. There's little things like, for example, they're clothed in, in skins. There's the shedding of blood. The need for a covering is there. You see little things that even God says. He says, he's talking to the, the, the people and the, the serpent. And he says, hey, I'm going to send somebody and he's going to crush your head talking to Satan. He's going to crush your head, but you will bruise his heel. We, we know now that was talking about Jesus, right? It continues on. You see uh, in Noah that, that there was just a few saved. Judgment came upon the world, but God intervened. Not because Noah was any better than anybody else. A lot of people get that confused. But instead it was because God had favor or grace upon Noah. And he saved Noah and his family. And so here you have this. All humanity, left to themselves, are completely and utterly... None of them would turn towards God in and of themselves. The only hope for humanity is that you have a God that will intervene, will step into humanity and begin to save grace upon them. Right? Left to ourselves, we all turn away. And so you see in the story of Noah, God's salvation begins to display itself. Or how about Abraham? Abraham who offers his son Isaac upon an altar, but God intervenes and has a substitute. Right? Sacrifice. And then you begin to see that whole sacrificial system played out with Moses. From the very first times you see the beginnings of it in, in Egypt and the, the exodus out of Egypt. And that's pictures of what Jesus was going to do in this salvation that he was going to work in, in all humanity, not just in the Israelites. And the blood that they had to put on the doorposts. What's that all about? The mystery has been revealed in Jesus Christ. He's the answer to all these things. You continue on through all the Mosaic Law and the way the temple is structured and the outer and the inner and the veil and the veil that it was torn when Christ died. And it's all painting this picture. It's all symbolic and it's all this, this shadow of what was going to happen in Jesus. And finally, at the right time, God steps in and He reveals this was the mystery. You may have thought, you may have been, it may have been confusing. All these laws, all these rules, the, the, these sacrificial, these, the, all these things that you have to do. and It was all about what I was going to do in Jesus. That's the mystery. And we have this, so we have to add this in here. The news is revealed in Jesus. Right? The news is revealed in Jesus. And this is why... We had, when we were confronted with other religions, for example, uh, the Mormons, for example, one of the things that they hold to is that there was another testament. There was Jesus, then there's some more. Well, this goes in the face of that because Paul is clearly saying it's all been revealed in Jesus as a person at this time. Or how about uh, the, the Islamic faith, which adds on to, they say, yes, Jesus was a prophet, but here we, now we have Muhammad. A lot of people don't realize that Islam... Because, yeah, Jesus was a prophet, but, but there's more. He didn't have the whole picture. There's more. No. Everything points, all of history points to the person of Jesus Christ. You have religions today that say, yes, Jesus was part of the picture, but there's more than that. And we have, we're faced with this all the time. Yeah, Jesus was good, or he did some good things, but there's more. Not according to the Word of God. God has said that the mystery, the thing that is at work in the history of this world and all of humanity is Jesus. I don't know any other way to emphasize that more. I keep thinking I need to have the right words to say it the right way at the right time with the right emphasis and the right intonation. And man, if I could just say it just right, and then everybody goes, oh, 
it is Jesus, right? And I can't do that. But that's the truth. Everything in history points to this person of Jesus Christ. God has revealed himself in a person. I think that's magnificent. Not just in, in, in written... I mean, just think about that. That God, the, the infinite God of the universe, when, when he finally says, I'm going to complete everything that I'm going to do, I'm going to do it by being there myself and just, I'm going to be there. It's going to be me. I'm going to reveal what I'm doing by being in the form of a person, in the form of a man, in the form of a servant as Christ came. And that just blows me away when I allow myself to sit there and think about that. The truth is as well, the news is revealed because God is good. Now, I hear a lot of people talk about how good God is and they'll say, oh, God is so good because I I almost got in this car wreck the other day and... Man, God is preserving. That's right. That is a good way to represent God. He is good. And that's why that didn't happen. Or God is good. There was this bill, right? Something I, I needed this. And man, God provide. Yes, absolutely. Those are good things. But understand the greatest good that God has done is His grace in revealing His will to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, far above the bills being paid and, and preservation of life a little bit longer, or I got healed from this cancer, far above those things is this news that God has revealed Himself to humanity. That, that there's more to life than just how you're going to survive here, but there's something else beyond that. That there's a God, and this God is a good God, right? He's good. And he's revealed himself. And that's why Paul, over and over again, you think about just in Ephesians chapter 1, how many times Paul comes back to saying this again and again. He says it again here. He says, he's made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good intentions, some versions say, or according to his good purposes. God has revealed these things to us just because he's good. He's a good God. And he, he's revealed his, this secret mystery that's been hidden since the creation of the world. He's now revealed it to us, Paul is telling us. And so here we have us as Christians. A lot of people hear us talking about the gospel and saying that Jesus is the only way. Jesus, Jesus is the way that God has provided for humanity. And a lot of people hear that and they think, man, Christians are so prideful. They think they've figured it out when nobody else has. And I have to tell you right now, that is just not the case. Christians, we, true Christians, people who truly believe in the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, we do not hold on to this because we think we're better or smarter. But we believe it because we believe that God has revealed us. We believe that there's no way we would have ever figured this out if God had not shown it to us. Right? We're not basing it on our intuition or, or how, we've, how smart we are in studying things out or, or how we've looked at all the religion and we come up with this new thing. No, we're just saying we believe that God has opened something up to us. A, a bit of knowledge, news, the facts, what's really going on. God has opened it up to us. And so as Christians, it's, it's a matter of humility. We say, but for the grace of God, I wouldn't know any of this. But for the grace of God, I, I would never even believe this. But for the grace of God, I, I wouldn't be any part of this. And so we need to demonstrate that as we go and we tell people the gospel. We say, I, I'm not telling you this because I think I'm smarter than you. In fact, the Bible has some things to say about those who believe that, that God has called the, the foolish things of this world. Right? God has called the foolish things of this world. And he's revealed these things. And, and Jesus at one point, he even says, he goes, I thank God that he's opened these things up and revealed these things, not to the wise and learned of this world, but to little children. Right? These truths about what God is doing is being held back in many ways from those who are proud of heart 
many ways God holds back the truth from those who are proud. But those who humbly come to Him, there's, a, there's an easy openness to the Word of God, to those people. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. God has revealed these things to us because He is gracious and He is good according to the good purposes of His will. Next we see that this news has perfect timing. If we continue on to this, God is ma- making known to us the mystery of His will, verse 9, according to His purpose, His good intention, which He set forth in Christ, or He exposed to the world in Jesus Christ, notice, as a plan for the fullness of time. Some versions say, as a dispensation of the fullness of time. That word that's translated there, my version is plan, some version is dispensation, or some versions even say stewardship, is really about an administration of things, Right? In other words, this whole fullness of time that God has, has opened it up, He's perfectly administered the truth, perfectly so, that just at the right time, Christ was revealed. Just in the fullness of times. Paul comes back to that statement several times in several of his letters, that just at the fullness of time is how Paul describes it. When everything was just right, boom, here's Jesus on the scene. Right? Just at the right time, it's been revealed. This word plan, like I said, is administration. You know, frankly, it's the Christian conviction that history is a plan, right? In fact, a lot of us will even talk about history itself, and we'll say history is really... Now, I just want to see if anybody knows the rest of this. History is really what? I think you started to say it. His story. I mean, you have to understand that this is a Christian understanding of history, that the history isn't random, it's not patched together, it's not pieced together, but everything is perfectly being worked out. Some people would even put it this way. It's a reference to the fact, this, this idea that God has this plan or administration, right, at the fullness of time. It's, it's a reference to the fact that God has scheduled, now think about that. We we're talking about a big view of God. That God has actually scheduled all of the events of time and history, Right? That includes not just the righteous things that he was going to do, but the ungodly, sinful things like the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, which is the epitome of both, the greatest horror of everything, but yet the greatest thing that God has ever done, wrapped into one moment at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Right? The greatest sin ever committed, defeated sin. And God has perfectly scheduled it from before time. Now... I've tried to schedule things before in my life, right? God has perfectly scheduled everything since before time, and it has perfectly worked out every detail. But just think about that personally in your own life. There's nothing that, that, that happens to you, whether it be a hard time or a tragedy or bad news, right? Whatever is going on, that you can trust that there is a God who is absolutely 100% in control, and everything that's happening in your life, God has a purpose for. And He's never thrown off His plan. He never has to scratch it. And uh, There's a, uh, a pastor came up with a book recently, and I haven't read it, but the title just annoyed me. It was called Plan B. And the, the truth is from the Bible, God does not have a plan B. Because his plans are never thwarted, right? His plans are never put back. God's plans work out perfectly 
what a perfect illustration of it. In the person of Jesus Christ, God has worked it out just at the right time, in the fullness of time, this has happened. God has revealed His will. And He's revealed His will in the person of Jesus Christ just at the right time. And so maybe we need to ask, add to this, uh, the news unfolds under perfect administration. This news is unfolding before us in a, in a perfect administration. God has perfectly administered everything that He was going to do in the world from the beginning of time all the way up today, and He will continue to do that. We never have to doubt. We never have to wonder if God is going to actually do all the things He said He was going to do because He perfectly has worked everything out to this point already. And this is amazing news, and this particular element is absolutely amazing as well. But now, let me move to this next thing. This news is for everybody and relates to everything. This news is for everybody and relates to everything. Consider the rest of this, ver- this verse, verse 10, as a plan or as a dispensation of the fullness of times to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. Now, that's talking about Jesus Christ. God is going to unite all things in Him. Now, that unite all things in Him is in the Greek is one word. And I'm going to put it up here because I cannot say it at all. This is the English letters for that Greek word. Can anybody pronounce that? Katie, be quiet. Now, that word means, it can mean, it's kind of like when an author gets to the end of something, he says, now in summary, right? right? Have you ever heard an author say that or a speaker say that? Now, in summary, and he, he tries to wrap everything up into a short, compact idea. That, that's kind of what that word means. It, God is saying, in summary, Jesus. Right? Everything is wrapped up, all things. Now, the, the amazing thing about this is, it's not just in history working up to Jesus. It's everything after as well. God is going to, I mean, this is what this verse is saying. Now, let your mind try to wrap itself around this. God is going to unite all things. going to pull all things, all the loose ends, all the meanings that we didn't know, all the, all the ways that things have come short, all the, uh, the whole world, individuals, globally, every event, nations, everything is going to be united, pulled together, in summary, in Christ. Now, if you let your mind think about that for a minute, because at, at first that sounds easy. Well, every, okay, so God's going to put everything under Jesus as the head over everything. But let, let me expand it a little bit. It, to say it's just in a, as an addition or in summation doesn't quite express what Paul's saying. Let me put it this way. To bring everything together under one head, even Christ, suggests that all things, human beings, history, the entire universe, find their focus in Jesus Christ. Everything finds its focus, finds its meaning, finds its purpose in Jesus Christ. The whole world, all things together in Him. In fact, the word all is used 51 times in the book of Ephesians. Right? Paul's got a big picture idea going on in the book of Ephesians. 51 times the word all in Ephesians is used. I mean, Paul's got a big picture idea going on here. And it's all about Jesus Christ. Now, I gave the example a moment ago about being in the lower levels of the World Trade Center. I mean, that kind of news, if you, your boss left, he came back, said the building's coming down, and you're sitting there, and you hear this news, it would dramatically change your behavior. Now, 
let me ask you a question. As you were trying to exit the building, knowing that maybe it could come down like the other building had, right? What would be the most dominant thought in your mind? Get out. Right? I mean, you may have some random thoughts in there, but what would be the one thing you'd keep coming back to? Get out. <laughs> i got to get out of here. Right? Now imagine... You're, you're, you're running down the stairs. The elevator doesn't work. You're trying to get out of there as quick as you can. You see a guy, man, he's running with you. He goes, hey, hey, hold on just a second. You're like, what, what, what? You're thinking, okay, what's going on? He goes, he goes just, just a second. He stops, and in one of the stairwells, there's a coffee machine. Just a second. Coffee break. Puts his money in. You know, be going. I don't think you were listening, right? I don't think you were paying attention to the news because... Do you realize what's going to happen? Do you realize what this means? Right? We've got to get out of here. I, I, no, I heard you. I heard the news. The news means this. means that. Well, don't you believe what they say? Yeah, I believe it. But I've I got to get a coffee. It's coffee break time. Don't you see what time it is? I mean, no element of reason would, would be able to comprehend that level. I mean, very clearly, no matter what that guy says... He's not really listening, is he? He hasn't really understood what the message is. Now, this message of the gospel, if, if this is true, if what Paul's saying is true, let me, give you a, let me give you a word here. This is the word preeminent. Okay? Put it, the definition up here for you. Preeminent means, I, I, I did it nice dictionary style, right? Preeminent. Preeminent means surpassing all others, distinguished or prominent. Right? It, it's like the most noticeable thing. It's like what would be going through your mind when you're trying to get out of the World Trade Center. The dominant thought would be, get out, I've got to get out, we've got to get out, we've got to hurry, we've got to hurry, we just got to get out. All you'd be thinking, you start to think about your family, I've got to think, about, but I know they're out there, I've got to get out, I've just got to get out of here. I mean, that would be the number one most dominant thing above anything else. Everything else would become trivial compared to that. You'd still have to be breathing. So there's a part of your brain dedicated to breathing. and You're moving your legs, so part of your brain activity is functioning. But it's all for a purpose, right? You might get really tired in the process. You've never run down this many stairs in your life. But you keep going. You're able to push through it. You didn't even know you had that kind of endurance. But you don't stop and contemplate endurance. You just go, I've got to get out of here, right? And you just keep going. I mean, you can't stop. The most dominant thought in your mind is this thought. We may say the same thing is true about this gospel message. And I have to ask, it would be foolish of me, it would be uncaring of me if I didn't ask this question. If, if I saw the guy in the stairway stopping for the coffee break, it would be extremely selfish and extremely... Uh, uncaring and unloving to not at least ask, did you hear? Right? I've got to tell you this news. Did you hear this? And if he said, yeah, I know, and I know this, and I know this, there, uh, part of you go, I don't think you're really listening to me. And you may grab the shoulders and say, listen to me. You have to get out of here. Right? I mean, you would have that extreme behavior. Much more so is this. Since Jesus Christ, what Paul's saying, right? Since Jesus Christ is preeminent, 
right? The dominant thing, the most important thing in God's purpose in the whole universe. I'm going to say that sentence again, right? Since, means I'm getting ready to say something else, right? Since Jesus Christ is the preeminent thing, the most prominent thing in the whole universe according to God, that's what Paul is telling us. Jesus Christ is above and beyond, more important than anything else in God's economy of this world. Then, right, uh, the individual who does not have Christ preeminent in his life is entirely out of harmony with the purpose of the Father. And let me explain what I mean by that. That's a big sentence, but let me explain what I mean. If the entire universe, according to what Paul is saying, the whole universe, everything, is going to be united ultimately under Jesus Christ, right? He's the one unifying. He's the prominent thing in the universe. In all of history, all of time, that has ever been, that will ever be, Jesus Christ stands as supreme, according to Paul. And God is going to bring all the loose ends together under this one. If that's true then if, if that's not the dominant thing in my life, then I'm out of sync with what is supposed to be going on. Right? It'd be kind of like this. Uh, um, every, every day, uh, I have to head down the hallway at the, the, the middle school. I have to head down the hallway to the copy machine. I usually have one more thing to get copied. or Sometimes I'll, I'll stick my can of Diet Mountain Dew in the fridge and it's down in the teacher's lounge where that's at. And I always make the mistake of waiting until the bell rings. And, you know, I didn't have a class, and I'm just kind of in lunch, and I always make a mistake of the, when the bell rings, right? And they're all headed to lunch. Now, as you can imagine, if I'm headed upstream, <laughs> so to speak, and everybody else is headed that, it's not an easy process, right? I'm out of sync. Now, I've walked with the kids before. That's easy. They're all walking this way. You just kind of walk with the rest of them, right? But, man, when you turn and you try to go against the flow of the crap, oh, you know, oh, yeah. This is what I'm saying. If Jesus Christ is the most dominant thing in the, all of the universe, then the way to be in sync with what God is doing is to have Jesus Christ be the most dominant thing in your life. The most prominent. The, the thing that you think about most should be Jesus. We've gotten a little off with this in many churches in America. We have taken this huge, big picture idea about what Christianity... Christianity is ultimately about this. That we, we believe that God has revealed what He's doing in the universe. And, and we're going, okay, I want to align myself with what God is doing. I don't want to be left on the outside. I want to line up with what God's doing. But somewhere along the way, the, it's, things have gotten mixed up. And so uh, Christianity has been boiled down to this. Do you want to get saved? Yes. All you have to do is pray this prayer and you'll be saved. I have to say, there is nothing about what the Bible teaches that would portray that as what is being taught in the universe through God, through His revelation. Salvation isn't a matter of just simply praying a prayer. It never is. Is it faith alone? Absolutely. Absolutely, it is faith alone. But you have to understand when the Bible uses the word faith, it's the same Greek word in a different form as the word belief. It's the same response that you may have to the guy in the stairway. Do you really believe what you heard? 
See, true belief, true, I mean, this is just in every other issue of life, and I'm just saying it also applies to Christianity. Real belief determines a change in behavior. It's inescapable. If there's something you believe with all of your heart, it will change how you live. And the more drastic the news, the more drastic the change. Christianity isn't about being a good moral person. We know that that does not work. It doesn't save anyone. Christianity is about an understanding that God has revealed the mystery of His will to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And that one day God is going to unite all things in Him. When you believe that, it changes you. That's why we get the word repentant. It changes your mind. It changes how you view the world. There's a, there's a battle to be had in America today. In our churches, with the people where we're at, where we work, where we live, of reclaiming, right, the gospel. The gospel message is powerful. It will change how you view the world if you believe that it's true. It changes everything about who you are. It's drastic news. If there's never been a time in your life that you have gotten to that place where you say, I believe it. That's the thing. That's the news. I would encourage you to get to that point today. To humbly come to God and say, God, give me that level of belief. But I need to add to that because if we stop there so often. Maybe you're like the guy in the stairway. You've heard the news. You would say you believe it's accurate. You're not doubting what's been told to you. But it hasn't changed anything about what you're doing. You're pretty much the same as you were before it. Maybe you've added into your life from this news, you've added into your life that you go to church now. But Jesus Christ should be the preeminent thing in your life. The dominant thing thing in your life. The thing that consumes your mind and your heart and your thoughts. It's more important than anything else. I will say it is absolutely good news. Because the good news of the gospel is that it's not depending on you getting any of this right. It's not depending on you working out your salvation. It's not depending on you being good enough. It's not dependent on any of those things. It's simply dependent on the fact that you... This is going to sound different than you've heard the gospel before, but that you have aligned yourself with God's purposes in the universe. As God seeks to unite all things together in Christ, you're asking God to align all things in you in Christ. All of your cares are in Christ. All of your concerns are in Christ. All of your hopes are in Christ. All of your dreams are in Christ. Everything about what you're hoping for and working for and striving for is all centered on Jesus Christ. You may still have a a job, but you only work now because you you want to be able to provide money for your family. But but really, it's not even that necessarily. You just want to have ways to be able to share the gospel. You want to be able to give to other people so that they they might know the gospel through your givingness. You still breathe. You still walk. You still live. You still drive. You still do all these things. But it's it's all that singular focus, that singular purpose of Jesus Christ in your life. That's the gospel message for you. 
And if you found that you have come up short in that, yeah, maybe you go to church, maybe you read your Bible occasionally, maybe you do this, but if He is not the preeminent thing in your life, you are still out of sync with God's great purposes. And frankly, you're also out of sync with God's great purposes for you and what He wants to do in you. Not just with the universe, but personally for you. Now I'm going to pray. Sorry. I'm going to pray. Now after I pray, I usually shift gears into, okay, we're going to have a meal and we're going to do these things and we begin to to fellowship. But I want you to know that the dominant thing in my mind is a concern for every single one of you in this room today. That for you, Jesus Christ is dominant. And I may just shake your hand on the way out, but I want you to know right now, my number one concern in my head is I hope, I hope, I hope so much that Jesus Christ is the dominant thing in your heart. Right? That Jesus Christ is the dominant thing in your heart. It's the preeminent thing in you. That you've abandoned just thinking it's Christianity is about being good, but you've grasped a hold of Jesus Christ as your Savior. Everything that you hope for is in Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this day. Lord, I pray God today that you would help us to have a drastic response to the drastic news of the gospel. Lord, I pray, God, that you would not allow it to be in us something that is there and it's gone and it doesn't change us. Help us, Lord, to instead have a faith that begins to work out in our lives, to begin to change our very minds and our very hearts. God, I believe that you can do that through your Spirit and through your Spirit's power in our lives. Father, I pray for every soul in this room. Lord, if there's anyone in this room that does not know you as Savior, they do not know you in a personal way, they have not put their faith absolutely in you as the Savior of the world, as the purpose that God has. God, I pray that today would be a day that you would work that miracle of salvation in their heart. Lord, I believe that only you can do that. Lord, I believe only you, because of your grace, can stir in the heart of someone who is bent against you, but to stir in them so that they turn towards you. God, I pray that you would do that today. In all of these things, I just submit all things to you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.